This week on the Mic Drop, we talk March Madness with Bob Berta of the Red Hot Big 12 Conference. Ryan Allen Hall of the College Football Playoffs stops by to tell us what it's like to have the best job in sports. And Ben Rogers of 97-1 The Eagle returns with an update on Skin Wade's battle with cancer, his high hopes for the Texas Rangers, the maturation of Luka Doncic, and how we can all find inspiration in the story behind his Rollertown Brewery in Salina. This is a sneaky good lineup this week, so let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop, everyone, the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by Dallas Sports Commission Executive Director Monica Paul and Next Level Marcus Carr. Thanks for listening. Thanks for following. If you like the show, hit the pause button and please go write us a review. Uh, Give us that five-star rating. It would help. Monica and Marcus, we are at episode 55. They They still haven't thrown us off the internet. When it comes to the number 55 in Dallas sports annals, you really have uh, it's pretty much an open and shut case for Cowboys legend Leroy Jordan. Played 14 years, was the sixth overall pick in 1963 after playing on a national championship team under Bear Bryant at Alabama. Now, this Leroy Jordan, think about this for a second, was six foot one, 220 pounds, and spent most of his Cowboys career playing middle linebacker. What a tough competitor! Uh, When he retired, he was a Cowboys all-time leading tackler. He's still way up there all these years later. Three Super Bowls. He made the College Football Hall of Fame, fell just short of Canton in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, But in 1990, became the first Cowboy inducted into the Ring of Honor by Jerry Jones. Now, interestingly, Monica, in 1977, a year after Leroy Jordan retired, he purchased the Redwood Lumber Company, soon rebranded as Leroy Jordan Lumber, and it's still thriving all these years later. So I guess those early Cowboys may have been the pioneers in that concept of moving here, playing here, staying here, getting into business here, getting involved in the community and philanthropy here. Uh, So we've seen it a lot in recent years, but we saw Leroy Jordan do it in 1977, and I'm sure there were some before him, but but pretty cool what uh, what Leroy Jordan uh, has done here in the Dallas community. Yeah, absolutely, Sully. Yeah, I think it shows. Uh, um, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, the athletes uh, playing here and then uh, staying here and um, starting businesses. Uh, so. Our, our corporate base, uh, everything great about Dallas that we know as residents, uh, I think are are important. Um, and it kind of goes into what we do at the Sports Commission in terms of not only do we have a great place to uh, live, but uh, we've got great sports and events uh, that want to be here just as much. And uh, kind of going into what we have going on at the Sports Commission, 
it's all WWE right now, Sully, and I know you're very familiar with WWE. So uh, looking forward to welcoming uh, our superstars into market here. Actually, uh, event starts this week, uh, their community programming events. Uh, it'll start early next week, so we're just preparing for National Medal of Honor reception and groundbreaking. Uh, they'll do some stuff with the Special Olympics, a Girl Up event uh, with some of their st- superstars, and our Dallas's own uh, um, the Dallas Wings. Uh, there's a UNICEF event, a Be a Star rally uh, regarding anti-bullying campaigns, uh, Make-A-Wish. Just a fantastic week before we ever even get to um, WrestleMania on Saturday and, and Sunday out at AT&T Stadium. So, um, listeners, if uh, you're WWE fans, uh, get your tickets. Tickets still available. Uh, there'll be an opportunity to uh, get over to Access and the Superstore at the K. Bailey Hutchison Convention Center starting Thursday through uh um, the following Monday. So a lot of excitement going on uh, from a WWE standpoint. Uh, hopefully we'll be setting a few uh, records uh, like we did in 2016. Uh, and then the other big news this week, Sully, was uh, Big 12 Baseball Championship tickets uh, went on sale. We'll be hosting that May 25th to 29th uh, out at Globe Life uh uh, field and we've got Bob Berta coming on later to talk uh, a little bit more in detail. But overall, a good busy week for us at the Sports Commission. Of course, March Madness uh, well underway now, Monica. I'm not going to mention Ouch. that that Marcus Carr was right and my Boilermakers knocked off the Longhorns uh, to get to the Sweet 16. We're not going to talk about that. But a funny thing happened is uh, Marcus, you know, it is interesting that the Longhorns point guard is also named Marcus Carr. Uh, there have been some cases of mistaken identity with, with you and Marcus Carr, at least on social media, from what I understand. Yeah, I, I really don't understand it. I guess a lot of people just don't fact check the, the profile picture. But, you know, Monica, I I was getting all the praise one night and then two nights later, yep. everything, <laughs> everything went to shambles. Um, but no, uh, I'm I'm rooting for the for Purdue now, Sully, and um, you know I hope I hope you guys can pull it off. Well, well Marcus, hold on. I'm 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 never gonna forget <laughs> that you uh, uh, went against my Longhorns here and uh, went with Sully. So uh, that's gonna stick with me for a while. So just know that. Well, and much respect for both Marcus Cars uh, in this uh, conversation. He did everything he could to to pull it out. Uh, Big Twelve looking good overall. Uh, three teams in, including Tech in the Sweet. 16, Monica, of course, your Longhorns are alive and women's. They're looking good. Taking on, mm-hmm. Yep, taking on Ohio State tonight, so go Longhorns in that one. Uh, and, of course, next year's women's Final Four is in Dallas. We'll talk about that uh, later on with uh, with Bob Berta. And I know we've been kind of talking about that uh, on, on an ongoing basis because that'll be here uh, before you know it. We're soon to be at the one-year uh, countdown. And, and speaking of March Madness, uh, SMU head coach Tim Jankovic you know, very upset about the ponies not getting there. Friend of the podcast, we had a great conversation with him about about all this a couple of weeks ago. And uh, and uh, Coach Jankovic has stepped down uh, as the SMU head coach. So best wishes to him in his retirement or whatever is next uh, for for uh, for Tim. Really good man who had a nice run here at SMU, and uh, we wish him all the best. Uh, back in a moment with Ryan Allen Hall, the college football playoff. First, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. 
Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events. Whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches, Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Thanks, Rachel. And now we're pleased to welcome Ryan Allen Hall of the College Football Playoff. Now, we have a lot of big-name people on the on the mic drop. You know, Troy Aikman and Jason Kidd. We have Jeff Van Gundy. We have national figures, Vern Lundquist, Dale Hansen. We've had athletes like, like uh, Darren Woodson and Braden Holtby. We've had really just an incredible lineup. Well, Ryan Allen Hall, the college football playoff, is one of those people that you don't know about who has a very cool job uh, that you may not know, not quite the household name that Troy Aikman is. He's getting there, though. He's the Senior Director of Public Events and Sponsorships at the College Football Playoff. He's been with them for almost seven years. Before that, worked at the NCAA, uh, a native of Austin. He played baseball at Rice, earned a law degree at Notre Dame. So as we welcome Ryan uh, Allen Hall to the mic drop, you know, think about him, listeners, as one of those people that you don't know about right here in Dallas who's doing a national job and doing it in a, in a, in a big way. So, so Ryan, welcome to the mic drop. Yeah, thank you for having me, Kevin. So tell us, uh, for starters, about your role at College Football Playoff. What does it mean to be the Senior Director of Public Events and Sponsorships? Uh, it does mean I have the best job in the world. We'll start there. Uh, but I oversee all the things that people love about the College Football Playoff outside of the game. It's the fan events. It's the smells. It's the sights that kids and families, when they're coming to a new city, I get to oversee all those smiles, you know, the concerts, uh, the festivals. It's my job to make people happy before they even think about the game itself. So that's half of my job. The other half is uh, making sure our sponsorships and the sponsors are happy and that, you know, we are bringing in that right revenue and we're overseeing the, the business side of the college football playoff. So, yep, those sponsor marts and uh, hospitality efforts, all those things. So I think I said those are the two halves of my job. The other half is government relations and things like that as well. So um, just a fun, full job of interacting with the local communities and uh, just something I really enjoy. Tell us about the business success. You mentioned bringing revenue in. Uh, what milestones were hit last year? How did it go? It went really well. You know, coming off, as we all know, coming off of COVID years where we all had to have some cutbacks and really watch what we were doing with spending and revenue. To go to a city like Indianapolis, uh, have two teams who are very passionate. Uh, we did excellent from a revenue standpoint. You saw packed stands. Uh, great to have Georgia in the game who brought the enthusiasm and dollars. I think it really uh, brought an injection in Indianapolis. You know, full hotel rooms for the first time in a couple of years. You know, again, a sellout game. These are the kind of things that really make for a good year. And the, the awesome thing about what we do most of that money goes right back to the conferences, right to the school. So a good year for CFP really isn't about CFP. It's really about the schools, the conferences, ultimately the student athletes benefiting from those dollars that uh, were, were uh, felt in Indianapolis. Cincinnati, of course, broke through and represented the, the non-Power Five uh, conferences. Uh, you know, 
expansion has been a topic that we've talked about a lot on the mic drop, including with Bill Hancock back uh, last July. Of course, it seems to be tabled. Give us the state of play right now on the on the topic of expansion. Sure. I, I, you know, I won't say too much. I think most of our commissioners have, have said their statements in the in the media the last especially six months or so. I think the tone that you see is that everyone is supportive of expansion eventually. I just think they need to make sure they're on the right page. And I think that's that's understandable. There's a, uh, a lot at stake here, you know, both financially and for student athletes. Uh, so, you know, I, I do think ultimately, if you read through the tea leaves and read the statements, uh, we're headed that way. But we just all want to do it the right way, make sure everyone's on the same page. And uh, I think the commissioners have made that very clear at this point. So, Ryan, you made a statement earlier that you have the best job in the world, and I might fight you for that uh, for that title <laughs> because I, uh, you know, living here in, in Dallas and uh, ensuring that, you know, we're hosting these uh, big events and keeping Dallas top of mind and a premier sports destination, I, I quite enjoy it as well. So I may, uh, we may have to flip a coin or something for, for that one. But, uh, um you know, talking about Dallas, CFP has made its uh, its home, its headquarters here. Do you see Dallas as uh, like a home field advantage for CFP in, in the business sense of um, whether it's more sponsorships or ease of doing business or contacts, networking? Um, give some thought on that. Yeah, and I'll address the first thought first. Uh <laughs> you wouldn't be a true Texan if you wouldn't fight me for your opinion. So I, I love that spirit. That, that is the true Texas spirit right there. Um, yeah, Dallas is absolutely a home field advantage. When you think about, again, the, the, the easiest way it is to travel, the two airports, the, uh, the roads, all those, the infrastructure right there alone to get into the city, that's a big thing. We travel a lot and it's not that simple. Uh, then you think about the facilities here. Uh, first-class facilities everywhere. Um, so I just think when you're constantly a hub of activity, a hub of athletic activity, iron sharpens iron, and that's what Dallas does in the sports industry, be it professional, sports, high school, amateur. It doesn't matter, male or female, it doesn't matter when you are constantly putting on A-level sporting events that it lifts the tide for everybody. And that's what Dallas does. And so then you throw in the businesses, you throw in the population size. What doesn't Dallas have uh, other than cool summers, you know, and we don't need that either because we're tough enough to, we can deal with it. So absolutely. Dallas has that home field advantage. When you think about all the ingredients that create a sports town and a town that can host other sports cities. Yes. Dallas is definitely the leader in the clubhouse. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you just heard it right there from from Ryan, uh, our newest ambassador uh, of selling sports here in the, in, in the Dallas market. So uh, I couldn't agree with you more, Ryan, uh, honestly. Um, you worked at the NCAA, uh, great partners of ours, too. Uh, we're right in the midst of a, a men's Final Four and women's Final Four uh, a bid cycle. Uh, but, you know, a lot of changes going on at the NCAA. I think the role of the NCAA is changing. Um, how, how do you see things shifting with the conferences playing maybe a more prominent role, especially in football? Yeah, you know, and I actually work in compliance of all things at the NCAA. So uh, I, I have a first, you know, first row view of that change. And, you know, I think it's important. Uh, regulation should probably be closer to the athletes. And that's 
the conferences. That's the school level. That, that's a good thing that we're providing better, more real-time guidance and direction for those student-athletes from the conference level. However, it will never change that multiple conferences with multiple goals, differing opinions, need a national governing body to help settle those differences, to be the rational voice, uh, to be the parent, if you will, when there is a dispute. So yeah, I think these are, it's a benefit for everybody that I don't think the national office is going away or has been devalued. You still need that uh, perspective that the national office can bring and the guidance and the oversight, the neutrality, but it absolutely is a positive for student athletes and college sports when you can bring that help closer to the student athletes and more direction from the conference office who is one step closer to the student athletes daily lives. Absolutely. So Ryan, I also teach every now and then uh, for certain semesters over at uh, SMU uh, intro, basically sports management uh, class. Uh, so a lot of freshmen and a lot of sophomores and uh, you know, everybody wants to work in sports, but a lot of times they don't necessarily know what that means. You know, weekends and holidays, long nights, sometimes underpaid, uh, especially at the at the start of a career. So I always like to provide them with, you know, guidance, uh, career advice. Uh, how, who impacted you to get where you are? Uh, and maybe some advice for these up and coming people that may be taking our jobs one day. Yeah, I mean, the, the short answer for me, I, I stumbled into it. You know, I was born in Lexington, Kentucky. So a UK fan growing up, a passionate town, moved to Austin, Texas. So we'll just say I, I enjoyed my time down, you know, on the 40 acres before I went over to Rice, uh, maybe even after I went to Rice. Uh, so the passion of college sports for me was something I never thought twice about. It was just what I was brought into. And then as far as once you got in the industry, again, I, I'm, I'm different. I did not have a linear path. I've been an attorney, compliance at the NCAA, and now here I am doing major events and sponsorships for the CFP. But the only constant is the passion. Uh, you know, I've been passionate about college sports, passionate about my work. Uh, yeah, a little bit of a taskmaster. So, you know, quality of work matters to me. But I think even over wanting to do a good job and check boxes off in the most perfectionist way you can, passionate. And that has, if you are passionate about this industry, you won't give up. Even when those jobs aren't flowing in early, even when the pay is not great, even when the nights are long, if you have that passion burning inside of you, someone's going to notice, someone's going to uh, capitalize on that. You just have to stay the course. So that's really the only advice I can give. You know, I know a lot of people, you know, advise about going to uh, grad school or choosing a path. Again, that hasn't been my personal journey. So I, I try to stay away from that. But I do think the constant is the, the passion, the drive, all those things. If, if this is where you want to be, then someone will see it if you are truly passionate about it. Ryan, the 2023 college football playoff championship game will be held uh, at SoFi Stadium in, in L.A. You recently visited there. Uh, did you go to the Super Bowl? What were, you, what were you there for? What were your impressions and how the CFP uh, will work there? Yeah, I, uh, I did come out Super Bowl week, left before the game. You know, that's the balance of this business. I have three young girls at home, and it was uh, one's birthday was the day before the Super Bowl, so I, I was not going to miss that. Maybe if Dallas had been in the Super Bowl, we would have 
talked about it and she just has to understand, but uh, they weren't, so I made it home. But to, to see, you know, everything activated in the way, the best way possible. The Super Bowl clearly is the leader that, the, uh, of all leaders in sports activation, maybe second to the Olympics. But, um, you know, I was able to see the facilities, see the, the signage, see the traffic control, all those things that are key for us. We got a sneak preview. So that's what we took advantage of that week. I'm actually in LA right now as we speak. So uh, watching a nice marine layer come in off the uh, ocean here. But uh, again, starting to put the facilities in place and really start start to get that outline of what that great weekend will look like uh, for our fans next year. I want to I want to finish uh, Ryan with a personal question. You played baseball at Rice. What position did you play? What major leaguer would were you most like? So the fans, so our listeners can envision you in your baseball days. Yeah, I was that uh, that that person you never saw. That they, they hold the clipboard, they uh, they shoot the radar gun, um, they they have a realization they're never going to see the field and start wearing uh, flats instead of spikes. So I was that guy. Uh, I actually never saw the field. I'm very clear about that, and I don't have any regrets. It was an awesome time. Uh, Barry Larkin was my hero growing up. Uh, so I even tried to wear 11 like him when I could. But you know, I realized everyone has a role and. For some reason, this five six guy, you know, I thought I was small and fast, but the six six guy was running just as fast as I was. So I wasn't going to see the field, uh, but I had a great time at Rice. Uh, saw a lot of great great athletes there, and uh, wouldn't change it for the world. But definitely know how to work a radar gun and uh, score score a game from the sidelines. Hey, that's what working in sports is all about. You know, whatever it takes, however you can contribute to the success of your uh, your your organization, your enterprise, your team. So. So that's good advice too. Following up on what what you told Monica about your career journey. So so Ryan, thanks so much for being with us here on the mic drop and 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 all the best for continued success in your work at the college football playoff. Well, thank you. And now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Did you know the Dallas Zoo provides guests with real life opportunities to make memorable connections with more than two thousand animals? Please support the zoo's mission to inspire and empower action on behalf of the wildlife in Texas and around the world. Visit DallasZoo.com to purchase your tickets today. Thanks, Rachel. And now we're really excited to be joined by Bob Berta. This is one of the nicest guys working in sports anywhere. He also happens to be very good at his job. Uh, Bob has been with the Big 12 Conference since 2004. He currently serves as the Senior Associate Commissioner for Communications of course, love having a comms person on the mic drop. He's also responsible for matters around the Big 12 brand. Previously worked at the Mountain West Conference, Miami, and Florida State. Bob, thanks for joining us here on the mic drop. Oh, glad to be a part of this, Kevin. It's been a long time since our paths have crossed, so I've really been looking forward to this and uh, being able to reconnect. Well, yeah, me too. Bob, we uh, we all know the strength of the uh, uh, Big Twelve Conference in uh, in basketball. We've got a, I think, uh, three teams in the men's Sweet Sixteen: Kansas, Texas Tech, Iowa State. And um, I don't know if you were on the on earlier when Sully and I were going back and forth, but uh, Purdue did beat my Longhorn, so we've been a little bit arguing about that. But. Um, you know how how do, how do these uh, three teams uh, fare? What do we see coming up here in the in the next week as we continue into March Madness? Well, you know, selfishly, we'd like to get all three to the Final Four. Unfortunately, the way the brackets set up, that uh, Iowa State and Kansas win, 
uh, they'd be playing in a regional final. But uh, flip side of that is if that occurs, that guarantees we'll have one team in the men's final four. But uh, we really got off to a great start uh, in the NCAA tournament this year. We had six men's teams qualify. We had six women's teams qualify. Uh, both our men's and women's teams went undefeated in the first round of NCAA action. So the league was a combined 12 and 0 uh, after the first round games. Uh, that's uh, only the second time that's ever happened in NCAA history. So that really speaks to just the quality of basketball on both the men's and women's side of the ledger here in the Big 12 and uh, re reinforces what we've known for a long, long time here in the conference office, that when it comes to college basketball, uh, there is no conference better in the Big 12. Yep, uh, absolutely. I know we see it on the men's side, and definitely uh, I I've been keeping up with uh, the women's side of things as well, with Texas and Iowa State still alive there. Uh, Baylor, I think, maybe a surprising early exit uh, for some. But, um, you know, Big 12 Conference has been our partner and uh, host institution for a lot of bids and, you know, upcoming women's Final Fours next year uh, um, and, and other events. But uh, so I know you, you've put a lot in and your staff over there at the Big 12 in terms of advancing women's sports. What are some of the things that uh, you've maybe focused on uh, as of late uh, in terms of advancing uh, women's sports and ability to play? Well, this is, uh, this is an exciting period for us uh, on several levels relative to women's sports. One is uh, the 50th anniversary of Title IX is this June. So uh, as part of that celebration, we're going to have an 18-month celebration called 50 Years Forward that is going to celebrate the accomplishments within the league uh, under Title IX. Uh, that will culminate for us with uh, next year's Women's Basketball Final Four that's being hosted here at the American Airlines Center. Uh, and as you know, Monica, there's a lot of heavy lifting that goes into that. Uh, you guys are partnered with us in, in hosting the event. And as part of the celebration, uh, the NCA is going to stage all three divisions championships here in Dallas next year at the American Airlines Center. So during the final four weekend, we will be competing in, 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 in staging the Division I championship, the Division II, and Division Three championships simultaneously. So that will be very exciting for us. Yeah, we can't wait to, to host that Women's Final Four uh, again. A lot of positive energy. So I know once uh, we get back from Minneapolis in a, in a few weeks or in a, just over a week, uh, it'll be all, all heads and eyes on Dallas and uh, looking forward to really creating some additional programming to celebrate that uh, 50th anniversary. Uh, and speaking about partnership, Bob, we had a uh, you know big announcement uh, earlier this week uh, of – Tickets going on sale for the Phillips 66 Big 12 Baseball Championship coming out to Globe Life Field in Arlington, uh, May 25th to 29th. Tell uh, our listeners, what can, the, what can the fans expect? Because uh, your baseball programs, uh, your teams and uh, universities in the conference are pretty, uh, pretty good baseball teams as well. Yeah, we've got a pretty solid baseball lineup. Of nine of our 10 programs uh, uh, sponsor the sport. Uh, currently, we've got four teams that are ranked in the top 20 nationally. Uh, ironically, this is the opening weekend of uh, full conference play for us. Uh, but uh, what makes us very excited about the baseball championship moving here to Arlington is, one, the opportunity to partner with the Texas Rangers. Uh, two, the, uh, the chance to stage our championship in a controlled environment, uh, not have to deal with weather issues. 
And uh, the fact that uh, Globe Life Field is a state-of-the-art ballpark, I think will really resonate with our fans as well as with our student athletes and administrators. Uh, it's not often they have the opportunity to play in a major league facility. And now uh, our baseball championship will be put on one of the biggest stages uh, in one of the premier stadiums in major league baseball. Uh, over the past uh, several months, of course, we've spent a fair amount of time with our media, our media guests offering their analysis of conference realignment and, and, you know, what the exit of Texas and OU mean for the big 12. Now the dust has mostly settled, hit the reset button for us. What, what does the big 12 look like going forward in a couple of years when this actually uh, takes place? And how do you feel about the way it all, it all uh, ended up? Well, we're really excited with the addition of the four new members. Of course, you, you can't replace iconic brands like Texas and Oklahoma. And uh, very sad to see them leave. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that played out the way anybody had had hoped that it would. In fact, uh, you know, the way the, the news came out of their departure. Uh, but uh, to the credit of our administrators and our university presidents, uh, they were quick uh, to, to assess the landscape. Uh, to look at their options. And, uh, and uh, you know, I think there's a consensus that uh, of the available programs that were out there uh, outside of the A5 conferences that we've added the four best programs across the board with BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and the University of Houston. Uh, it gives us a very deep football lineup. Uh, it's going to make what is already a grind in basketball that much more difficult. Uh, and it also now extends us across three time zones, which I think is going to have some value for our television partners as we begin to look at uh, our future media negotiations. We were talking about the women's uh, Final Four coming to Dallas uh, next year. Uh, we had Lynn Holtzman on from the NCAA a, a month or so ago, and and you know we debated you know the the merits of the women and the men having the final four at this in the same location. What, what do you, what, you know, as somebody who's worked in college athletics for a long time, how do you size that up? Well, you know, as, as Monica knows, uh, you know, as a, as a sports commission, there is a lot that takes place behind the scenes in trying to stage a marquee national event. And I think part of the concern was the, the availability of quality hotel rooms for the amount of fans that would uh, come to one location for a combined final four. Uh, obviously, when, uh, when when fans come into a city, uh, the, the host city and uh, and surrounding areas want to put their best foot forward. Uh, so there was some concern just about the ability to be able to accommodate that many out of town guests in such a short period of time and give them uh, a, a good quality experience. And, you know, uh, what makes the final four attractive is the ability for it to to be bid out nationally and to be in different markets. Uh, there was also some concern if you combine them that there would only be a handful of cities that would have the depth of uh, resources to be able to host uh, a combined men's and women's Final Four. Uh, so there were some challenges involved. You know, for us as a conference, uh, we're one of the few conferences that has a combined men's and women's basketball championship. Uh, we stage ours in Kansas City. Uh, with the women and men taking place uh, during the same week in two different facilities. Uh, and it really provides a unique experience for our fans in that uh, the, the, the venues are a couple blocks away. So fans are able to walk from one venue to the next to support their men's and women's teams. And it really creates a neat vibe around the downtown area because it's just wall-to-wall -wall basketball. And, 
It's a, it's a bunch of fans that are congregated in, in, in a small area. So uh, you, you extrapolate that and you apply it to what a combined Final Four could be like. And it is an intoxicating concept. But I think the devil's in the details and just how many cities would actually have the resources to be able to do it. Dallas might be able to do it, but not we many can do cities. It. We can do it. Could. Yeah, we can do it. And, you know, <laughs> one of the things that, that Monica talks about a lot, and this is in relation to the World Cup bid, is the number of training facilities that we have here. So for a number of markets, you know, practice and training facilities would be a challenge for a combined uh, men's and women's final four. But we could, we, could, uh, we could certainly pull it off here, don't you think, Bob? Well, I think we could corner the market. <laughs> Maybe we become the uh, the all time host, and every year it would be staged in Dallas, given oh. the, the facilities we have here, the ease of travel, the ability to get in and out of the Metroplex. Uh, we've got a lot of pluses working for us. Now, Bob, I am very uh, aggressive and competitive, uh, but I don't know if I want it every year. We're going to have to maybe find one other city in the United States to help us out a little bit. <laughs> Monica, you are the hardest working woman in show business, sports and entertainment, so well, you can handle it. We've been very vocal that, we, you know, we I think the last time that we bid on the on the men's final four, we put in a bid for a combined championship before, you know, this last discussion here. So um, at the NCAA level and committee level so uh, we definitely um um you know before that but i think that's a little bit on hold from an ncaa standpoint um so um bob uh we just talked with ryan uh, allen uh, about the advantage of cfp being in dallas uh, obviously there, there's some benefits to, to being able to do business here. Uh, does the, does the big 12 conference see, you know, headquarters here in Dallas as a big advantage. Y'all been here a while. We consider you, you know, part of our family. So, uh, just talk about the advantages of Dallas a bit. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's an advantage. Uh, again, uh, you can't, uh, 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 overstate the value of being in a hub market where you can, get anywhere in the country uh, on a direct flight. And it's easy for people to get into Dallas. Uh, we stage a lot of our governance groups meetings here. Uh, uh, we can have one day meetings and meet at one of the airport hotels and people can fly in and fly out the same day. Uh, so given busy schedules of uh, university presidents, athletic directors and coaches and other administrators, it really works to our benefit to be in a hub city and have people being able to get in and out easily to attend meetings. Bob, we're going to end with a question about the practice of communications. We haven't had that many communications chiefs on the mic drop the past year. And so I want to take this opportunity to paint a picture for our listeners. When you started in early in your career at Miami and Florida State, how much different your job is today in terms of where the focus is, uh, you know, with so much direct to consumer, direct to fan communication and all that comes with the digital and social media explosion. But how, how has the practice of communications changed for you as a as a practitioner in sports over the over the decades? You touched on it, Kevin, with just the evolution of communication technology. You know, we now have the ability to communicate directly to our constituents. We don't have to rely on third parties to, to carry the message for us. Uh, you know, when I was first coming up through the ranks, and I'm sure it was no different for, for you, you know, a lot of our time was spent developing relationships with media members. 
you know, they would come to town for a football game. You make sure that you had an opportunity to spend time with them, uh, to, to sell them on the positives of the program, the marquee players, uh, the accomplishments, so on and so forth. Uh, so you had to really rely on those relationships to help promote your brand. Or now uh, you can take your message directly to the end user. You don't have to rely on third parties to carry your water for you. Uh, so as a result now, you know, we have seen the evolution within our team where now we have social media coordinators. We've got graphics people. Uh, we've got video people that are able to put together short form content in, in, in quick real time to get it out there to the consumer and uh, the communication path, the back and forth that you now have uh, with your constituents that didn't exist before. Now you can get feedback in real time. Uh, sometimes feedback is good, bad, or otherwise, particularly in the conference office uh, as it pertains to officiating, but uh, it gives you, it gives you real time feedback and engagement with your, with your fans. And that didn't exist previously. Yeah, and we cannot, uh, minimize the importance of relationships in the face of all this digital stuff, building those relationships. I know you're a relationship minded person. I know you still make that a priority. And I think if you look at, you know, our, our friends at Tony Fay PR, including Marcus Carr here, uh, they are the Kings of building relationships with the media. And you see how, how that plays out and the results that they're able to deliver. So Monica, I would tell young people, uh, you know, in your class at SMU, uh, just because we have all the technology that Bob talked about, let's not forget building those relationships. So, so on that note, Bob, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us here at the, uh, at the mic drop, all the best with the Phillips 66 big 12 baseball championship, May 25 through 29 at globe life field. Fans can go to texasrangerscom slash big 12 for tickets. We wish you all the best with that. And thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, guys, and uh, look forward to working with you down the road. Sounds good. And now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. The Perot Museum of Nature and Science plays a vital role in preparing the most talented and diverse STEM workforce of tomorrow right here in Dallas. Become a member today and enjoy free admission and other valuable benefits to support this nonprofit landmark. Visit perotmuseum.org for more information. All right, thanks, Rachel. And now, what a blast to invite back to the mic drop to welcome in Ben Rogers. Ben, congratulations! You are you are now becoming a member of the exclusive Two Timers Club, joining Dallas Fort Worth media legends Mark Followell, Mike Reiner, Brad Townsend, Stars President Brad Alberts. Uh, the list is is it's a pretty exclusive club. It's kind of like the when you host Saturday Night Live five times, we give you a robe that you can wear in the virtual green room before coming on. So you've done so much in your career from, from the ticket and the fan and now at the Eagle and your podcast and your business stuff we're going to talk about. Uh, but this is just another career uh, capstone for you. So welcome back to the mic drop. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm honored to be here and uh, can't thank you enough for the invite. Not worthy to be in that class with those incredible individuals you mentioned, but happy to be here. Let's start with uh, with the Mavs and 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 Luca. They, they won without him this week as he took a night off, heading into a couple of big games uh, at, uh, at Minnesota and home on Sunday against Utah, jockeying for home court advantage in the playoffs. The team has looked really good since the Porzingis trade. Uh, give us your thoughts. Uh, 
you know, Luca may be making his way toward having a beer named after him at your Roller Town Brewery up in Salina. I'm not sure. Like Dirk uh, has been honored. So give us your take on the on the Mavericks right now. Yeah, I uh, I think I think Luca is so talented and. I don't say this as a slight to him, but the game comes so easy to him. That's not to take anything away from the hard work and and effort he put in coming up. But if you look at the beginning of the season where he was a bit out of shape, he admitted that came in a little heavy, didn't have a really a lot of time in the off season to just relax. And the fact that he's so young, I think, I think what has influenced this season the most for the Mavericks is I think figuring out a careful way to, to criticize Luca from a place of love. And I think you have to give credit to Jason Kidd for that. I've heard Luca mention that Jason Kidd will have these conversations with Luca behind closed doors where no one else gets to hear those. And that's very powerful as opposed to shaming the guy in the media. And, you know, obviously Porzingis wasn't a great fit here and and mainly because of all the DNPs. So you got to factor that in as well. But I look at Luca and I think, all right, there was a point in this season where he flipped a switch and it was, when he wasn't uh, voted into the all-star game as a starter, um, there's talk, you know, they, people talk about the MVPs. He's not in that discussion remarkably, which is a whole nother conversation. And then all of the careful criticism about his physique and his weight and his commitment to his body. And once he came back from that little outage that he had where he was getting right, boy, he's been the best player in the league. And, and so for a young guy who doesn't have a lot of perspective, I think all that careful nudging has been the big key. And, you know, I, I feel for him when he creates and he works and he delivers somebody a wide open shot and they clank it. But, um, you know, if the guys around him are hitting their open shots, the Mavericks are as tough to beat as anybody. And a big part of that is their defense. Well, we had kind of a Luca mic drop moment recently where he admitted, you know, he's had a lot of difficulty with letting the officials get to him. Um, he's within a couple technicals away from a suspension. Now that resets for the playoffs and he'll be fine. But he said, Dirk gave him a little piece of advice, which is, uh, to sing a song in your head when you get frustrated. And Lucas says he's, he's, he's hearing in his head, these Slovenian, uh, songs from his youth, I guess. And that is calming him down. Uh, so that's, that's a pretty cool little, little insight with Luca that in terms of maturity uh, and moving and moving beyond. Um, but, but speaking of the Mavericks, you know, you're, you're so identified. It's almost like, uh, you know, Ben and skin are one, are one entity and, you know, uh, skin has shared the health issues that he's dealing with on social media. So he's been off Mavericks broadcast. And I just thought since we had you on, uh, all of us in, in, uh, the mic drop, uh, community, of course, are thinking about skin and, and pulling for him. What can you tell us? How, how's he doing? Any, anything you can share? Uh, about how how uh, skin is doing yeah so uh around december well first of all you got to know anybody that knows jeff skin wade knows what a selfless person he is and how he cares about everyone else but himself you know he's he thinks about himself last and so around december my mom was uh she was very ill and she was fighting cancer and she ended up passing away i think it was december 3rd and skin had said, I got something to tell you, but I, I, I want you to deal with all this first. And she was worried about me and grieving my mom. And it was so skin. And uh, then when we finally had a chance to talk, he's like, hey, man, I, I, I got diagnosed with cancer, but here's the deal. Here's how we're going to treat it. And he told it to me in a way that made me uh, 
think, oh, okay, good. Well, he's going to, all right, he's, this isn't that big of a deal. He, you know, he was careful with me the way he told me. And, um, you know, I, now I look up and it's, uh, you know, March 24th and he's still not back on the show. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just have so much respect for the way he's battled every single phase of this. And, you know, he's been one of my best friends on the planet since 1982. So think about that. We've been friends since we were playing pickup basketball as 12 year olds in Richardson. And I still talk to him just about every day. And I, I told his wife, I said, Hey, if, um, if I'm bothering him too much or talking to him too much, you please let me know. And she was like, Oh no. And he, he, he likes the distraction. And so basically here's the, here's the thing. He had a tumor removed from each side of his neck from each lymph node. And it was a cancer that started in his tongue, but he caught it super, super fast. They removed the tumors from his neck and then let him heal. And then started radiation therapy he has 30 therapy sessions to do. And now he's only got four left after today. He'll only have three left. And after that, he'll be cancer free and on his way and just rebuilding his strength. And uh, we'll have skin back here very soon on uh, the Ben and skin show. And then hopefully soon after uh, on the Dallas Mavericks television broadcast. Well, Ben, that's a fantastic update. Uh, our fingers crossed there and great, uh, good to hear that he's doing so well and uh, almost through that. Um, so Ben, uh, we got news. We will have a baseball season this year. Rangers are, are looking good. Uh, what are your thoughts? Excited for baseball season? I am. I'm one of those, uh, old baseball nerds who, who loves the game. And, um, you know, it was a really tough moment for me when my boys who are 16 and 14 now, and I think they were 13 and 11 and, and they came to me together and they said, dad, we're retiring from baseball. <laughs> they told me, <laughs> They used the word retiring and they told me simultaneously. So it might've had to do with me pushing them a little bit because I love the game. But, um, you know, for me, uh, I have tremendous, um, respect and admiration for John Daniels and for Michael young and for Chris young, who I should probably have mentioned before Michael young, but I got a man crush on Michael young. So I just mentioned him all the time, no matter what. Um, but, uh, you know, I think what happens with the Rangers always comes down to ownership and are they going to be willing to spend and they showed a willingness to spend and they spent big, but you can't as just, as we saw with Alex Rodriguez, you can't just spend a little and then shut it down. You can't stop spending. So they still have more spending to do more player development to do, but make no mistake about it. They're on their way. We get to go watch the Texas Rangers in air conditioning at this gorgeous park. I couldn't be more excited. And, um, you know, in terms of helping young people stay interested in the game, I don't know how to solve that. I've heard things like make it a seven inning game. Every, every single suggestion to save baseball is going to upset baseball lifers. Like you wouldn't believe it's like just, you know, throwing rocks at a hornet's nest. So I don't know how to solve that conundrum, but I'm sure as heck going to get my kids out to that ballpark as much as possible to enjoy some sweet, sweet Rangers baseball. Well, you can't do a seven-inning game. I mean, we have to have the seventh-inning stretch. I mean, come on. Um, Well, Ben, Sully mentioned it earlier, uh, Rollertown uh, Brewery. Any any new developments? What's happening up in Salina? Yeah, thank you. We're uh, we're very excited about this brewery uh, Skin and I created. Um, we launched it conceptually, and then we brought way more talented people than us on board. And um, we we brought an incredible brewer named Tommy Miller on board. We brought in the Windframe, a marketing and branding firm that's just exceptional. 
And then over time, uh, we had some incredible investors who, you know, stood by us during a global pandemic when, you know, two hours before we were set to open our doors, we got shut down and we weren't allowed to have anyone come to the tap room. So we've overcome unimaginable adversity because starting a brewery at any time is difficult, much less in a pandemic. Um, so I'm really proud of, of what we've been able to accomplish. And now that it certainly feels like, at least for now, the world is getting back to normal a little bit. We've had some incredible events uh, out at Salina. We know Salina is a long way from the Metroplex, so we want to give people a reason to come out there. Uh, two weeks ago, we had live actual sumo wrestling. We had sumo wrestlers. The Dallas Sumo Club was there for the release of our new Japanese lager. And then last week, we had a massive uh, auto show. The place was packed. It was magical. Um, there's basically something going on every single weekend at Rollertown, and now we're out in about uh, 85 different DFW restaurant. So, you know, you can even order a big German at the AAC if you'd believe that. Now that is pretty cool. And, you know, as part of my exhaustive research for this week's uh, mic drop, or actually the last time we had Jan, I learned why it's called the Roller Town Brewery. Why don't you let our listeners in on that? That's kind of a cool little, little tidbit. Yeah. Thank you. We, um, we did, we did some research with myself and skin and my brother, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan is our CEO and a co-owner. And, uh, he's one of the first people we brought on board because obviously we didn't need knuckleheads like me and skin running the business. And so the, uh, Jonathan uh, said, Hey, I need you guys to block out like four hours on a Friday night. We're going to go get a dry erase board in this conference room and skin and I are going, Oh, this does not sound like fun. What could this be? And we went and we had the most amazing time. And he just gave us a lesson on branding and marketing. And we talked about all of our favorite brands. And we talked about how important stories are with regard to brands. And so we didn't want the brewery to be called Ben and Skin Brewery. Um, we're just a part of it. But, um, you know, we, we wanted to do a deep dive with the history of Salina, which is where we're located, and try to find some parallel synergy with the Ben and Skin Show. And as you know, we, we've been at K-Star 49, Fox Sports 1190, TXA 21, uh, what, and Live 105.3, 105.3, The Fan, ESPN, The Ticket. We've been in all these different places, and now 97.1, The Eagle. Well, we, we found out that in Salinas history, when the Frisco Railway came through in the early 1900s, they didn't weave the railroad over to every small town. And so if the railroad didn't get to you, much like Lightning McQueen and the interstate, you know, and, and Mater then your town was going to die if it didn't get to the railroad. So, you know, the railroad didn't care. They're like, I'm sorry, we can't worry about every small town. Um, we got to get from point A to point B. And so essentially this, the town of Salina put their most important buildings on rollers and they used giant steam engines that looked like locomotives, but didn't run on tracks. And they drug and pulled and rolled the town two miles to get to the railroad so it could survive. And they destroyed crops and all sorts of things along the way but they had to take a step back to take two forward. And that's a, a parallel with myself and skin. We've always bet on ourselves. We've worked at all those different radio stations, but we've never been fired. Not one time. We've always left for a better opportunity. And so roller town for all of us is a message that, Hey, the life you want is over there, but it ain't going to come to you. You got to go get it. And so we all have to be willing to be mobile to chase opportunity. It's not going to come knock on our door. So that's why we called it roller town. Man, you find inspiration in uh, in everything, and this is uh, this is why you're you're one of my personal favorite guests that we've had. We've interviewed more than 150 people, Monica and I have, 
on the mic drop the last 55 episodes and uh and you're right up there with, because of that sort of that sort of message all right all right uh, ben as you recall this is the portion of the podcast where we ask our guests to recommend a a download or something you're streaming it could be music tv book podcast uh you know whatever whatever it is that you're up to these days so what do you have for us this time so I have uh, I, I I go to Broken Bow a lot. I love Broken Bow, Oklahoma, and it gives me a great opportunity to listen to podcasts. And I just listened to a podcast called The Wild Boys. Have you heard of this? I haven't, but I'm writing it down. It's called Wild Boys, and it, it's uh, don't get me mis misquoting uh, some of the reference points, but I think it was early 2000s. What happened was uh, in this small Canadian town. These two incredibly lanky, malnourished-looking six-foot boys suddenly appeared from the woods, and they called them the Bush Boys. And they were very mysterious. They didn't. They looked like a, the complete strangers. They knew they were. Everyone in the, this small town knew they were out of place, and they appeared to be living in the woods. And it created this media phenomenon where it was like, oh my God these are kids that have never seen the TV, have never seen the internet, have never seen a video game or a cell phone or anything. They've never interacted with anybody. Um, they've just been living like animals in the woods. And it created this uh, just crazy media frenzy and a bizarre time in the world. And there's a lot of different twists and turns. And I just found it to be a very interesting. I think it's called Wild Boys is what the podcast is called. And I, I can't say anymore because I don't want to ruin it for you. But I do want to say that the next book that is on my radar is called The Great Novitsky uh, Basketball and the Meaning of Life. Uh, this is what I'm most excited about. I finally got my copy. And, you know, if you've been around the Mavericks like you have, Sully, for, for many years, you know that for a long time there, there was a German man that was always with Dirk. And he was there right. all the time. And um, Holger. Just, yeah, yeah, it's Holger, it's Holger, and another man who was there with both of those German men, and his name was Thomas uh, Pletzinger, and he's been writing this behind-the-scenes book for Dirk, and it's like a decade or longer that he's just been there and had all access to Dirk, and to see the way that Dirk passionately endorses this book, I just got it. I cannot wait to read this. So that's one in the past, and one I'm looking at now. What about you? Well, let's go to Monica next. What do you got for us, Monica? Oh, no downloads this week, but uh, because I've been busy watching that NCAA women's basketball tournament, the March Madness is, uh, has taken a hold of me, right. so I haven't really been able to download much. But I like Ben's recommendation on the, on the book. I may have to get a copy myself because I think that would be a great read. Yeah, those are fantastic. Marcus, I know you're watching a lot of hoops. What, uh, what else are you doing? I'm also taking uh, Ben's recommendation, and I, I saw I saw him tweet about it on Twitter, so I, I'm 100% in now. So Ben just sold the whole whole mic drop team on, on a new book. Yep. No, that that I got it down, and we're, we're going to dive into that one. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Brad Townsend, one of your fellow Two Timers uh, Club members, recommended a Texas Monthly podcast called Tom, Tom Brown's Body, and I have gotten into that, and it is fantastic. So I know that this recommendation will be as good as as uh, as brad's now i got a little bit of a curveball yeah uh, you know i believe in the power of being positive and we are a positive crew here at the mic drop but i'm going negative uh this week uh and it's a good thing ben that you're out because your forces of positivity will, will counteract 
But instead of telling our listeners, suggesting what to what to watch, I'm going to tell them what not to watch, and that's Winning Time on HBO, uh, the story of the Showtime Lakers. Now, uh, I've watched the first uh, two-plus episodes, and what I could tell you is John C. Riley is very entertaining as Jerry Buss, and that's pretty much where it stops for me. The basketball scenes are cartoonish at best. The depiction of Jerry West uh, I spoke to two people that know Jerry very well, uh, including uh, a person who worked with him at the Lakers and, and described it as, uh, you know, grossly unfair and a, and a, and a horrible disservice to, uh, to Jerry West, the way he's depicted uh, by the actor Jason Clark in Winning Time. So all of our sports fans out there, don't waste your time on Winning Time. And it's interesting to me that you know, there, there's scenes that just are so untethered from reality and what ha really happens in pro sports. And I wonder why did they think pro sports fans or sports fans would like this when you figure there's a limited number of non-sports fans who are going to watch this show. So I hate, I, this is maybe the only time I ever do it, but my recommendation this week is do not watch Winning Time on HBO Max. Uh, and, and, uh, and again, so Ben, we're going to give you the last word because I know we, we want to finish on a positive note. You already gave us one dose of inspiration with the, the story of, uh, of the Rollertown Brewery, the story behind the name and, and, and what happened in, in, in Salina when the railroad skipped them. Uh, we'll give you the last word. What do you want to leave our, our listeners with uh, this week? Well, I would just say that uh, I've, I've basically recently been doing a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of soul searching. Um, the, you know, the, what I'm, what we're experiencing as a show to be without skin is like, uh, you know, it's like the bulls being without Jordan and, uh, he's just such a special person. And, uh, I have such admiration for the way that he is battling cancer and, and worrying about everyone else besides himself. And he just means so much to me. And I, you know, I, I, I talk to him every day and he's my whoopee and, um, it's, uh, he's comforted me more than I've comforted him. And it's just like, uh, He's just such a phenomenal guy, but you know, to the other day, the 22nd March marked the uh, 17th anniversary of me losing my dad. I lost my dad to pancreatic cancer. He died 28 days after diagnosis, uh, December 3rd. Uh, we lost my mom, as I mentioned, and, um, you know, she died to cancer and, you know, and, and the 28 day fight, it was so quick. We kind of felt, ah, oh, this is so unfair to us. So you have 28 days and how unfair to him, but to see my mom fight cancer for three or four years, you realize what a blessing the 28 days was. So all of this just provides this, uh, this big lens to look through. And, and the thing that I always go back to is tomorrow's not promised and life is difficult. And suddenly you look up and it's over or it's over for somebody that you love and care about a great deal. And so my advice to end on a positive note would be just to love one another, to be nice, to be kind, to be compassionate. Don't be petty. If you have a petty disagreement with somebody, pick up the phone today and give them a call and say, Hey, I'm sorry, man. I was being an idiot. Let's, let's move forward. Life's too short because um, those special people and those special memories that we make together are, are really from what I can tell the most important things in life. Well said, Ben, and we'll, we'll leave it there. Prayers up for Skin. Appreciate all that you've, uh, you've filled us in on today about his battle. And uh, once again, just great, great having you on the show. We really appreciate you making the time. So uh, on behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, 
Thanks to our guests, Ben Rogers, Bob Berta, and Ryan Allen Hall. Thanks to the Mike Drop production team, Danielle Whitelaw-Piscura, Angela Lang, Marcus Carr, and Reeves Eddins of Tony Fay PR. Thanks to Ren and Jay at Vocal Media, our showrunner, Tony Fay. And until next time, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>